0: Hello, everybody. Welcome into the NBA front office show, The Trade Deadline. Now, less than a week away, we are almost there. We're already seeing moves take place around the league. I'm Trevor Lane from LakersNation.com. Joining me, as always, we've got Keith Smith from Real GM, Yahoo, Celtics blog, everywhere. Keith, how are you doing, man? I'm doing well, man.
1: We're we're a week out. NCAA tournament starts today, so this is a this is fantastic. There's a lot going on, but this is going to be a really fun few days with the tournament, and then then a uh, fun fun uh, week leading up to the deadline. That's
0: right, it absolutely is, and we're already seeing some things take place right now in the NBA. We've seen a couple of trades go down, and I want to start with this because this is kind of kind of move us into. The financial piece to what we're going to talk about, but Adrian Wojnarowski recently made a comment about the Lakers and about how uh, the finances might be a factor here, the trade deadline for them, and how they might look to clear some long-term salaries so that they can bring back some of their other guys. So let's talk about that just a little bit because we do have uh, we do have some other guys to get into, but I want to talk a little bit about the financial piece and how important that's going to be. So what are your thoughts there on the Lakers potentially clearing long-term salary? Because looking at things, Lakers fans go, well, wait, there's only a couple of guys that they have on the books (laughs) long-term. I mean, it's really just Kyle Kuzma and Kentavious Caldwell-Pope. So what are your thoughts with that situation?
1: Yeah, well, what it sounds like from Woj's reporting is they are – I don't want to say concerned, but but they're being mindful mm-hmm. that they're going to have to re-sign Dennis Schroeder as a free agent. Uh, Montres Harrell is you know potentially on an expiring contract. Um, I don't think he'll opt out, but if he opted out, then then you've got to figure out something there. You've got Talon Horton. Tucker has become. Um, I don't want to know is. Key rotation piece, MVP. maybe a little
0: bit MVP far, quality yeah, player Taylin Horn Tucker <laughs> <Of> Summer League <laughs> um, uh,
1: But yeah, but he's, you know, I think Important to them, mm-hmm. I think he's a developing Young player, they don't have a ton of those Types of players on the roster right now uh, Because they gave up draft picks And the like to, to make other moves So he's an important guy, as a, as a pending Restricted free agent, so it sounds Like what they're trying to do is, a, and then Alex Crusoe, of course, is going to be An unrestricted free agent, and he is a key rotation player for the team so I think what they're they're gonna look to do is if you could move Kyle Kuzma in a deal that makes sense for you and free up some long-term money maybe Contavious Caldwell Pope that one's a little harder for me to see just because of how important he is to what they do as a starter I I think you could see that be be a move you make if you could get back guys who have less Mm long-term commitments um, but are just as good a fits I think the Lakers would go that way which Almost runs counter to I think how you would normally think right. about it about it with the Lakers because they're not going to be in a position to have cap space or anything like that. But I think they want to retain their own guys, especially guys they put some uh, time and effort into developing. So that's that that's where it gets really interesting. And Dennis Schroeder's been really good for them. And as Woj notes, it's going to take over twenty million to sign Schroeder. That. Maybe seems like a bit much, but that's more of a market case than anything else. A lot of teams with cap space, not a lot of good players to spend it on, so he's going to get paid this Well, and
0: Schroeder has said that he wants to stay with the Lakers, Mm -hmm. and so there's been talks about an extension potentially getting done, and and we thought an extension might get done a month ago, and here we are, and it's still not done at this point. Schroeder keeps saying it just needs to be fair for both sides, suggesting Mm -hmm. that maybe the Lakers aren't offering him quite what he wants at this point, but he has said that he loves the organization, wants to be there long term but you know it's interesting that you brought up Kyle Kuzma because I think he's actually one of the most complicated guys to try to trade right now at the trade deadline because contractually he's he's hit by that poison pill provision so how would how would that I know we've covered this before but let's just rehash it real quick for the Lakers he doesn't count as the same amount of salary as he would for the team coming in so how logistically how difficult would it be to actually move him?
1: Yeah, very tough, unless you're packaging them together with another guy and then you're trading them to kind of the right team mm-hmm. that can absorb those, those guys without having to get real messy with the salary match. What it is is because he's got that three-year $39 million extension, you take this year's $3.5 million salary plus the $39 million and you get into the average salary, which is about $10.6 million. Over the four years, so the two numbers you need to know is 3.5 million, that's what he counts for the Lakers going out as salary matching for the new team he counts as 10.6 million so that's where it gets really tricky it's not as bad as like a guy like uh, jason tatum donovan mitchell De'Aaron fox who are jumping right. from you know nine seven to nine million to 20 something million because kuzma got a uh, very you know uh, friendly uh team friendly um extension with that 13 million a year uh salary so so it's not that gigantic um gap but that seven million dollar gap is still big that that's that's can be really tough to overcome so so you're probably looking at trading him to a team that has an exception if you're going to make it work or some kind of um, three or four team trade where there's going to be a lot of pieces moving around and a team can can uh, you know uh, juggle things to really fit him in that's where it gets a little tricky to move Kuzma but I think as a youngish player um who is now signed to what it should be a you know very fair contract going forward. He still would have value for a lot of teams. So I think he's probably the guy if you're the Lakers looking to clear a little more long term money out. I think he's the guy who makes the most sense because I just think KCP means too much to what I think they need him. And I don't know that you're getting a better player than him in free agency um next year. And I really don't think you're getting a better player than him on the trade market right now.
0: Well, I think, and this could be off a little bit, but my basic temperature of Lakers fans right now has been that they would actually prefer to keep Kyle Kuzma over Contavious Mm -hmm. Caldwell-Pope, although KCP has been in a rough shooting slump. He does appear to be coming out of it a little bit, uh, but which is amazing, an amazing turnaround, because you know, (laughs) Keith, how many trade rumors Kyle Kuzma was put into over the last few years, and this season he's really fit the role the Lakers needed him in uh, perfectly. So it'll be interesting to see what they do, and I think that the big picture here, it's important that when we see a trade go down, we stop and we consider not just player A being traded for player B, which player is better, which player is the better fit. The financial piece to it yeah. is very, very important. That's where, Keith, I did, when I initially saw this Bucks trade that just went down for P.J. Tucker, I initially just went, oh, wow, that's that's a lot for for pj Tucker, i thought the bucks gave up a little bit too much and then once we got into the financial side of things a little bit and we saw what was actually going on there i went oh okay they cleared some space under the hard cap this makes a little bit more sense now for milwaukee so i think that's one of the things that we need to keep in mind heading into the trade deadline is that if a trade happens we've got to look at the financial side of it as well and not just player a for player b and and all of that the pieces that are involved in the deal so that's yeah, going to be really it, important for the Lakers and every other team. But yep. um, so just going off of that, and then let's let's talk a little bit about this Bucks trade and what this means for them.
1: Let me say one thing real quick yeah. on that financial consideration, too, because if you talk to people in the league, they will always tell you 90% of NBA trades for one team involved in the trade, whether it's a two-team trade or more teams at least one team is only doing things for financial cap reasons. It's got almost nothing to do with the players. Like, like, like I know we're going to talk the Trevor Ariza trade. Yeah. Um, but Myers Leonard at this point after, you know, what he did, which is, you know, despicable. I, you know, I do hope none of our watchers and listeners disagree with that. Um, he's only a salary cap line item now he's not a basketball player he's a 9.4 million dollar uh semi-expiring contract because there's a team option for next year that's all he is so that that's what you gotta that's a very harsh way to look at this but that's the reality of it as you look at you know some of these people but yeah yeah the bucks trade re- really you know interesting um i'm curious to hear your thoughts on it because yeah. i have some that um they, with the folks i've talked to they feel are they they think I'm a little bit off on it, so I, I want to hear what you think first.
0: I think it's a it, it's a fascinating trade the way they move the different pieces in terms of the the picks going out yeah. and coming back in, and a Milwaukee pick actually coming back to Milwaukee that they had originally traded to Houston. It's like they're they're just swapping things back and forth there. But overall, the man, Houston
1: think, can swap for that pick anyway. Yes. So yeah.
0: <laughs> and, and I yeah. thought yeah, I thought it was interesting too that, and I don't I could be wrong, but I don't know that we've seen this before a second rounder for a first rounder pick swap coming into play. I thought yeah, we that... see
1: protected picks that turn into second rounders all the time. Right. But not a straight swap in the same draft of a second rounder for a first. Hey, I looked through all the stuff I could find, talked to a ton of people on it, no one can remember one. Uh, so really good by uh, Rafael Stone and um, uh, John Horst to get really creative because of the Bucks. Had no other way to work around the Steppian rule because of the picks they owe in the Drew
0: Holiday trade, right? Which was really, really fascinating that they were able to come up. This was like this was a very Daryl Morey type move, right? Where they're yeah. just finding these creative ways to get something done. And so credit to both teams for for getting this done. Made made all the sense in the world for the Rockets to move PJ Tucker because he's not a guy they were going to keep long term. He's not in their future. I mean, they're not going to be contending again for a while now. They're they're definitely rebuilding. So it didn't make any sense yeah. to hang on to him. They needed to get whatever they could out of him, And I thought they got probably even more of a return than I expected them to get for a 35, soon-to-be 36-year-old PJ Tucker that frankly hasn't played that well this season. And for the Bucks, you're getting sure. a guy that, uh, a 3-and-D player, who when he's at his best and they are gambling, that he will pick up his game and he will improve now that he is on a contender again. Uh, you're getting one of the guys that that can be one of the very best of them in the NBA, can be deadly with the corner three, and can defend guys that are significantly bigger than him. So I think that uh, this is a nice pickup for Milwaukee, and their defense can get even better which is uh, maybe a scary thought for the rest of the Eastern Conference. So an interesting move all the way around, both in terms of just tactically, the pieces going in and going out, and the type of player that that Milwaukee's targeting, and then logistically, the way they pulled this off with the contracts and the picks going out. uh, It's very creative, and it's got me even more excited for the trade deadline and what kind of things can be coming up if if teams are now getting this creative with things. Man, I I can only imagine what we're going to see in the next week.
1: Yeah, and it only takes one, right? It takes one team to get creative, and then all yep. of a sudden it turns into, you know, all right, here we go. And, and what this could open up is the door for, right? We we know how teams work around the stepping rule where it's, all right, I'll trade you my 2021 first, my 2023 first, and the right to swap in 2022. Well, what they could ultimately you know start doing these things as you know, right to swap or we'll swap seconds mm-hmm. after the pick is you know they, they, there's all sorts of stuff you can't you can't necessarily go into these pre-arranged kind of things with that but but there's now a lot of creativity you're going to see with teams for this trade i thought it was interesting the rockets took on some money for next year uh not they, this year they're fine they're, they're they got under the salary cap in the hardened or under the Luxury tax, rather, in the Harden trade, so I think they're okay there. And then, um, yeah, but they took on DJ Augustine, who's got seven million next season uh, on their books. And my guess is they're going to try to move him again, and they they, mm-hmm. they won't keep him. Maybe they keep him the rest of this year, um, but by the off season, they'll, they'll be moving on from him. Uh, DJ Wilson. I mean, fine, Brady, right? he'll play there because they don't have anybody else. Um, you know, maybe he finally blossoms and breaks out. But but I, I think D.J. Wilson is a guy who's, you know, going to catch on with somebody because he's still got athleticism and he's big and, and maybe they'll like that um, and take a shot on him. But I don't I don't know with that. But you got to pick right. out of this. And you have the right now to swap a second for a first. So so you're sitting pretty good if you're Houston from that perspective for P.J. Tucker. The Bucs side, you know, more interesting. Um I'll start with a couple people who are like well, Rodians, Kirks could help them too. No, they yeah. gold. Stop. That's not why he's not even going to play. He, he, you know. No, exactly. So that's a this was all about PJ Tucker. Yeah, exactly. That was just a contract to fit in there to to, to keep things moving. Um, PJ Tucker. What's interesting though is he gives them more versatility because he's more than Brooke Lopez is. So on those nights where you need to go small, you can go smaller now more confidently without having to overextend Giannis at the five um so I think that part of it is really good um Tucker has been so bad offensively yeah. this season that's what I worry about if he doesn't refine that that then it's a tough. so you're banking on that find it but but also as you mentioned the financial piece here the Bucks were tight against the hard cap at 1.2 million under the luxury tax they've got about 3.5 million to go against the hard cap they opened up two roster spots in this trade so now they could take on a little bit of money in a deal if they wanted to trade somebody like Dante DiVincenzo to really upgrade um, or something along those lines if they wanted to even move Brooke Lopez if that was the way they were kind of thinking of all right well we could move him as a bigger salary you take on a little bit of money or now they can be real players in the buyout market, that's it. which they weren't going to be before because they were so tight against the hard cap that it was going to be really hard for them to do anything more than um, you know really have to wait in time out a prorated move. Now they've got enough room; you could add two prorated uh, veteran minimum contracts and fill that out, and that's a rotation that's maybe going to bench to give out. So I. I take the bucks now a player in the bio market where i don't necessarily know that they were before.
0: Yes, yeah, that and that's it exactly. But that's where not only is this move good for the bucks in terms of the player that they landed in PJ Tucker and and again, like you said, he has not been good this season particularly in the offensive end so you're taking that gamble that he is going to pick things up once he is on a contending team, right? I mean, that's uh that's what we're seeing. Uh, the Brooklyn Nets are doing the same thing with with Blake Griffin, taking that gamble he'll be better on a contender. Yeah. But the the financial side to it clearing up that space now allows them to be a player on the buyout market which is already going to be I mean it's going to be a hellacious buyout market (laughs) you're going to have the Nets you're going to have the Lakers the Clippers now the Bucks. all of these teams are going to just be in an all-out war trying to get these guys who are bought out whether it's whether it's an Andre Drummond or LaMarcus Aldridge or or whoever And, and in most situations buyout players don't make that big of a difference but in a season like this where the, the general consensus is that it's a very close race. It's not like you've got Golden State with Kevin Durant and Steph Curry and Clay Thompson and, <laughs> and all of these guys where the, everybody says, oh, they're the favorite to win. No, you've got a, a, a wide field here of teams that can easily convince themselves they are the favorite to win a championship this season. And so I yeah. think that the buyout market could be a factor uh, come playoff time. So it's going to be really interesting to see how that plays out as well
1: yeah absolutely it's going to be huge and you hit on all the big teams and and you know we've talked about it before but just to remind everybody the nets are not hard capped because they haven't done any of the things that get you to be a hard cap team they also have the did disabled Mm -hmm. player exception they've got their their taxpayer mid-level prorated so they can outbid everybody money-wise um they also have holes in the rotation especially for front court players right so we know that that the nets are going to going to be in the mix for players uh the lakers because of the move they made and I, th- I would not be surprised if we see them now that it looks like jared dudley's probably not going to play again yeah. this year um Alphonse mckinney has no real value to them i wouldn't be surprised if they pay a team with a second round pick or something to take one of those guys on um and then free up that space under the hard cap for them so they can be a little bit more in the mix but they're in pretty good shape now yeah. they're about where they need to be to add two um uh, veteran minimum deals for the rest of the year They might have to wait a little bit On the second one Kind of depends on what they do with Damian Jones Because they, they, they can't re-sign him to another 10-day yeah. Can only do two time. of those Um, So exactly So that's, that's coming down to it. My guess is what they do is they stretch that out a little bit On Jones mm-hmm. he'll expire They'll wait if they can't get anybody better Then they probably bring him back Because he's been fine yeah. uh, for them But then you have the Clippers Who they're only 500- in 38,000 under the hard cap. So they're still sitting there. They're not even able to add one rest of the season guy.
0: Yet. Let's keep it that way. Uh,
1: so that's going to be kind of interesting. <laughs> yeah. Right? Um, look, they will they, not that's keep it gonna that be way. tough for them. Cause they're going to, no, they they'll do something. Mm-hmm. They'll they'll move a uh, uh, Cabin Gale or Terrence Mann or somebody, um, or Patrick Patterson. Even will get moved to free up that space under the hard cap for them. But the Bucks, as I said, now they're three point five million under the hard cap, so now they're in a position where they they've got flexibility they didn't have a couple of days ago. So so that's it, it's going to be one of those things where yeah, the bio market because some of these names were here. And Andre Drummond, Lamarcus Aldridge, Victor Oli, uh guys who make more yeah. than twenty million can get tough to trade uh in season because you're either going to take back bad money, none of those teams wanna do that, or you have to um uh be willing and, uh, be willing and able to take back, you know, three or four players for one in a deal sometimes. And that's not not an easy thing to do because where right, you make that deal if you're you're a team for one of those guys, and now now guess what? 're you're, you're you have to be active on the bio market because you've got a whole bunch of roster spots to fill so so that that's where it gets a little bit tricky so so yeah i think those guys are probably more likely headed for buyouts and then where they land i don't know that it'll swing the title but it certainly has potential to really right. help um those teams quite a bit more so big i also think these are better players than what are usually available on the buyout market because it's it, this is not a situation where it's like and they could have traded for this player, but they didn't because he's just, quite frankly, not very good. These mm-hmm. are guys the contract is what's keeping them from getting traded, not necessarily their basketball ability.
0: Yes. Yeah, and that's it. And that's why, again, this buyout market is going to be really fascinating to watch. Um, you did mention the the Clippers and the situation they're in. And right before we came on, rumor popped up from uh, Mark Stein in the New York Times that they are interested in potentially bringing in yep. Lonzo Ball which I think, I mean, it's pretty clear the Clippers need another point guard. We've heard them connected to, say, George Hill. Uh, Lonzo Ball is rumored to be on the move, can be a restricted free agent this offseason, coming to the end of that rookie deal. Uh, Has played better this season, has been been shooting the ball better. Uh, He's looked pretty good. But what are your thoughts on a Clippers trade for Lonzo Ball? Is that something that is workable? And can they maybe kill two birds with one stone here? and not only trade for Lonzo Ball, but maybe free up a little bit of space to then be a player on the buyout market. I think that would be the ultimate move for them.
1: Yeah, that's interesting. I don't know that the second part, necessarily happens yeah. unless they, they the Pelicans, you know, um which is funny, Stan Van Gundy is there, so if they if he still loves Luke Kennard, then maybe, maybe <laughs> they could uh you know make something happen. Kennard's poison pill like Kyle Kuzma though, so that gets a little messy. Um but yeah it it's this is where it gets a little bit hard for the Clippers and the Pelicans. Let me pull it up just to make sure I have the numbers right. Uh, Ball is on a $11 million deal last year of his rookie-scale deal. will be restricted free agent this offseason. So that means you've got to get to, you know, a decent chunk of money if you're the Clippers uh, to, to get there. You, you've got to get to, you know, um, 125% salary match on that. So you're going to get to, what is that, about, you know, let's call it, it's... Eight and a half, nine million half, 9 million, um, to, to get there, to, to make that happen. So if you're, if you're the, the Clippers, uh, how are you getting there? Well, the first way you could get there is you could do like Lou Williams and Patrick Patterson. Um, the question I would have is, do you need Lou Williams? If you have Lonzo ball, um, that starts to become a little bit of a question. They're very different players, yes. uh, but you only have so much room to play, play uh, guards in that rotation. Cause uh, you know, you're going to have Kawhi and PG on the wings already. And then you've got uh, Patrick Beverly who you're going to play quite a bit. And then you've also got um, Reggie Jackson who, you know, I think that could fit in and then you would add ball in that mix. So, so that's probably for me, the salary match i think that makes the most sense that gives the pelicans uh two expiring contracts that they can move on from relatively easily and that's how they move forward so i think that's probably it because everybody else that they could move their rotation guys mm-hmm. that i think are too important um for the for the uh, clippers so i don't know about freeing up any space under the hard cap but i do like lonzo ball for them if this shooting is real because you know Kawhi and PG are gonna have the ball in their hands a lot. So you need to be able to shoot off the ball if you're a guard in that that rotation. The other thing they'd like to do is add a bigger defender um there because all their other guards are all very small, right? Jackson, Williams, and Beverly are all basically mm-hmm. six foot, six foot one guys. So you'd love to add, you know, ball in his size. Um you know, but he has to be able to shoot shoot it You know, without the ball in his hands. He needs to be able to do that. Plus, if they could get him back to being a little bit of a creator, that's good. The other piece is because he's a restricted free agent, now you've got the ability to match any offers. You keep him there. Um, you know that would make the family happy to bring him back home right. um, to L.A., um, You know, so that that's also, you know, a benefit there. You're probably um, able to retain him maybe on a little bit more of a reasonable contract. And now you've kind of got a really nice fleshed out rotation. So it makes a lot of sense for the Clippers. Their their challenges, Williams and Patterson would be the salary match. That's not enough. No. And they're very restricted in trading first round picks because they owe all these picks. to OK, coming years. So th- that's where it gets real, real messy um for the clippers i don't know how they can get there so you may need to get a third team involved and try to you know um get some value out of another guy on your roster that you can then flip to um to the pelicans and go there so so that's 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 the tricky part is is coming up with the drop compensation that it's going to take i don't think it's going to take anything beyond a first you know to get them. but they don't even have that to trade that's what's tough
0: and we also saw yesterday, the rumor came out that the, that Lonzo might be interested in going to the New York Knicks, and that, that could be a thing. So he's got some options out there. But when I'm looking at, at this, you know, I mean, look at the, the numbers he's putting up. 14 points, 5.6 assists, 4.2 rebounds, shooting 39% from three. Uh, this season, and and here was the the big thing. Remember, early in his career, he could not make free throws. I mean, he was forty five percent free throw shooter his first yeah. season with the Lakers. Here, as I know all too well, uh shot seventy seven shooting seventy seven percent from the free throw line. Now he doesn't get there very often; just over one free throw per game. Yeah, it's only like but,
1: one. Yeah,
0: but I mean, my thought is, why would the Pelicans not just keep him if he's finally breaking through here? What where, where do you see that situation going?
1: Yeah, I think it's a sense of then you if. You- You're going to keep him. You're committing to paying him 20 plus million next year. And now you've got 20 plus on him, 20 plus on Ingram. And then he's still a couple years out, but, but, you know, as the number one pick, he carries a big bill. They've got that Adams extension. That's starting to loom like. That was a pretty big mistake, given Adams that extension. Um, so that's that yeah, gets really hard. And then you've got Eric Bledsoe on the books for next year, too. So so you're really kind of painting yourself into a corner salary if you're going to re-sign ball. So I think this is more of a let's uh, kick that can down the road a little bit, free up a little bit of flexibility. And if you're not sold that he's a $20 million-a-year player, then you might as well move him because, because he's probably going to get that from this offseason just based on potential and and you can spin it forward of, hey, you can really shoot now.
0: So again, the financial piece becoming a major, major factor in in potentially moving Lonzo Ball. Uh, Keith, another thing we need to talk about, another move that actually went down, the Miami Heat. For the second year in a row... They blinked. They <laughs> You had a team that was saying, we've got an aging 3 and D wing defender. Last year it was Iguodala. This year it's Trevor Ariza. We will, not tr- we will not buy him out. If you want him, you have to come trade for him. And the other teams around the NBA said, yeah, right. You're going to buy him out. We're just going to wait you out until he hits the buyout market. And Miami said, nope, we believe you. Here's some assets. And in this case, OKC didn't get a lot. But they got something no, for, like for Trevor Ariza, which is better than than nothing. And now you've got a guy who we haven't seen play basketball in a year because uh, he did not play in the bubble, and he has not played this season. But I think he's a, still a interesting 3 and D player out there. Obviously a veteran, but from the pictures we've seen, he looks like he's in phenomenal shape. And uh, he's a guy who could contribute for what was a relatively low cost for Miami.
1: Yeah, it was a second round pick in the Myers Leonard's contract. That's, was it like a twenty you know, oh, twenty seven oh, second so, rounder? Yeah, twenty twenty seven second rounder. That's all Miami Unreal. had to trade. Uh, they, they they don't own another second. Um, other than that, so they took it as far out as you mm-hmm. can go. And if you're if you're the. Uh, Thunder, why not? Who we have no idea what Miami will be in 2022. Never mind 2027. Right? right? We, we we don't know. So so yeah. So uh, why not for a guy that i uh, Dave? This one was interesting because most people did expect him to him to get bought out. Uh, by So I think this was Miami, um, their way of saying, well, hey, we we've got this Leonard expiring contract. We're not going to do anything else with it. Let's make sure we get him. Yeah. And I think he can really help them. Um, play and- Well, let's see, right? It sounds like he may play as soon as uh, uh, this weekend's games uh, because he has been testing, and as you said, he looks like he's in great shape. He's always stayed in great shape his whole career. So I think Ariza is a guy who you can really put in there, and what that gives you is, is he going to stop Kevin Durant? Absolutely not, but he can at least make him work because he's got size, he's still pretty quick, at least last we saw him play. Um, And that's what you're looking at if you're the Heat. Do we have bodies we can throw at Kevin Durant, at Giannis Antetokounmpo, at Ben Simmons, at, you know, Tobias Harris, at, you know, Joel and Bede's a little bit different. They've kind of got that covered with bigs. But that, that's what you need to be able to do because Miami's starting to think beyond the regular season now, right? They, they're looking into, when we get into the playoffs. We need to be able to match up. And I think Ariza can really help them with that. Now you, if you're that heat team. You look at it, and you're you can feel pretty confident. You can go nine, ten deep in pretty quality players, um, all the way through. And they might not be done yet because they've still got a couple of deals uh, they could move. Um, here, you know, they, there's a lot of talk of Avery Bradley's been hurt, so if Avery mm-hmm. Bradley's not part of things in Miami, could you move him? Mo Harkless didn't work out. Could you move his contract? Those become very tradable deals, and you could see them go get something. And I think you know maybe another uh, uh, four with some range you know could fit fit there quite well maybe another wing um could could be kind of a big deal so yeah i, I think they are really um in a position right now the heat where, where they can uh, really do do some stuff here so i like this series of the deal and the big lesson is if you want to play for the miami Heat, you're never going to report to that team and then miami will come rescue you at the
0: <laughs> Miami is that team that will come and and get you in Miami. You know, they start off the season, season, uh, slowly. They are now sitting in the four seed. Now there is a big gap between them and the three seed. So I don't see them raising yeah, any, any higher than that. Yeah. Uh, th- yeah they are no, six games back of first and my Milwaukee is a game and a half back of first. So they are in a different and, tier and than the bucks nets and 76ers.
1: And it's funny cause it, it's a mess because they're, they're fourth, right? But they are only a game ahead of the Celtics, if I have this correct.
0: Who, uh, game and a half. Uh,
1: in the loss column.
0: Oh, in the lost game column. Game and yeah. a half,
1: but in the lost column, they're only Boston, who's in eighth. So that's still, you know, there's still a ton to be decided in the East. It's going to be a mess. And that, that wasn't a way to just get the Celtics in there, because I'm certainly not <laughs> uh, crowing over their 20 and 20. You know, uh, we, we tried to avoid cursing on the show, but, uh, you know, a uh, Crap show of a season, uh, but that was just more of a way to say the East is a is just still a mess. We have no idea after those top three.
0: You know what, though, Keith, I got to say, at least the the eight seed right now is playing five hundred in the East because that has always been from the <laughs> we'll Western Conference it. perspective. Yeah. That has always been the you know the the anger inducing sight when you look over at the Eastern Conference at a team that's not even playing five hundred basketballs making the playoffs in the East, and in the Western Conference you you're above five hundred and you're sitting in like eleventh. <laughs> So uh, Nothing that's them
1: will ever be worse than the Suns that year when they were what, like 48 and 24. And, yeah. It and missed the East T the last East team was like 36 and you know, 46 or something ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That, that was a uh, not great for them for sure. Uh, by the way, unless I don't want to spend too much time on Miami, but I'm not digging the gold jerseys for Miami. It just, it, no, I hate it them. looks, it just looks weird.
1: And they're not gold. They're yellow. Yeah they're not like it was it was almost like an ugly yellow color it was almost like mustard yellow yeah uh my they, they called it trophy because it's like all right you know you're what three championships like settle down like you let you know, it's, you know what, what are we doing here
0: it's like a dwight Schrute shirt yellow it's like yeah. that kind of a yeah <laughs> yeah that's exact. Yes, that
1: is a g- good point. Yeah, so it's like the one when uh, when Jim dressed as toy. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that, that that's that's Bears what it is. Battlestar Galactic. There's <laughs> beats Battlestar Galactic, <laughs> Yes, because it's not even as good as the original, right? It's a copy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Any I don't. Time. Yeah, I didn't like it. Yo. Yeah, let's let's save the gold for uh, for when the Celtics break it out, and then they, as their trim occasionally, and for the Lakers' home jerseys. Yeah. So, which I'll also use this as a plug: the Lakers should never wear anything but yellow at home, and uh, and then the uh, purple or form blue. it's purple, um, but yeah. you know that on the road. Uh, If you want to work in the, I do like the white ones, the Sunday whites. I'm okay with those because those are kind of sharp, but I don't want to see anything
0: else. You're you're speaking my language here, Keith. I don't understand why we're doing all this, why we've gone away from this, and it's led to some really ugly games. I mean, we saw, I was at the other night when the Lakers were playing the Pacers and the Lakers are at Staples Center and the Pacers are in gold. What are we doing? Oh,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's a – and then that Miami-OKC game where Miami apparently brought the wrong uniforms.
0: Oh, yeah. So they had
1: their red ones and OKC had their orange ones, I think it was. And yeah, you couldn't they, tell who who. they OKC had to switch at halftime. Like, you know well, yeah, that, that was dumb. Um, that also should have been caught long before the game tipped off. Mm-hmm. Somebody should have been like, hey, this is not going to work. Yeah, and just – and I'm not picking on the Lakers with this because I feel the exact same way about the Celtics. Yeah. I want the traditional white ones at home. I want the traditional green ones on the road. The black alternates, they're kind of sharp. The black with the green green on numbers yep. and lettering. So you want to mix those in every once in a while. And if you want to, I'll also use this because it just passed, Boston should always played at home on St. Patrick's Day and they should always wear their green uniforms on that day. Um they should not be in road games against the Bulls wearing green uniforms like it was a couple years in a row yeah. uh, for the Celtics. That's just dumb. So so there there's my old man rant of the week on the, on the <laughs> show of you know about you know give me back my traditional uniforms but yeah some of them are just too good, right? Like we don't yeah. need to mess up you know some of them. So, you know so, some teams are not very good. Clippers, they haven't found the right ones yet. Keep trying. You know, keep going. You know, I'm okay with that. But you know, when you've got the the Celtics and the Lakers that have classics that are great, there's no reason to screw around. with
0: them. Well, I think the problem with the Clippers jerseys has always been that it says Clippers on it, and I don't know how they they can change that. But but that's that's what's uglyd it up, from <laughs> my opinion. But no, are these, you know, yeah. I guess we're being grippy old men here or whatever, but. For me it's same same as you, Keith. It's you wear one jersey at home. For the Lakers it's the gold. On the road you wear the purple, right? You just you have your home jersey, you have your road jersey, and then maybe let's do an alternate or two, right? And that's it. Let's leave it at that and not throw in all these yeah, different jerseys and oh I it's it's just led to some again ugly basketball games and I don't like it. All right, let's <laughs> let's let's get off what everybody
1: tuned in here for (laughs) yes
0: fashion fashion as we we talk about color palettes um let's finish up with this though Keith we do have the trade deadline coming up and I think we're going to have to do an earlier show next week instead of waiting for the end of the week because things are going to be bonkers then of course we'll have to do another one right after the the trade deadline but (laughs) let's talk a little bit about what we expect to see happening in the next week here what's your over under on the number of deals that actually get done at the trade deadline
1: uh, so from today through the deadline, I yeah. will say ten um, deals get done. That's pretty good. They will not, yeah, I think that's pretty good, and probably most of them on Thursday, um, will get done. Right, it's uh, I think it's Andrew Brand who's an NFL guy always says deadline spur action. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know I think think there is a lot of truth to that. So I think I'll say ten. I don't know that there's going to be any you know super huge blockbusters, which is a li- yeah, and some people are like really how we're we not going to get one of those. And it's like we had the hardened one like it's really hard to top that trade yeah. you know and that was an in-season trade that we, we don't see trades like that so and those guys quite frankly aren't really on the market maybe somebody gets shockingly dealt on um, that that you know could happen but i think there are a lot of um very gettable role players uh that are out there and i and i think that is um you know where where we'll see you know some good quality role players who really help out the teams they're going to. So that's why I say that I'm going to say there's ten because there's just there's too many good players that are known to be available for there not to be a decent amount of deals that go down.
0: Yeah, I think that maybe the biggest name that gets dealt could very well be Victor Oladipo. But like you said, there's a lot of a lot of guys out there that can really help teams and some moves that are going to get made that may make an impact on who ultimately wins an NBA championship this year. But I also don't see I don't think there's another superstar trade out there, which doesn't mean that it can't be a really exciting trade deadline, because sometimes it's these little moves that add up to a lot.
1: Yeah, yeah. Some of these teams go and get you know two or three guys that can really mm-hmm. fill out their rotation. That that could make the difference between you know barely making the playoffs or being a first round out and actually making a little bit of a bit of a run. And, and when when you look across the league, when you hear you know some of the names. You know that are out there. You've got, you know, George Hill is out there for the Thunder. We we know right. he's going to get dealt. Uh, Lamarcus Aldridge, whether he's traded or bought out. You mentioned Oladipo, PJ Tucker already got traded. Uh, the Kings have Harrison Barnes and Manu Bioliza, Alonzo uh, Ball, Eric Bledsoe, JJ Redick. Those guys are out there. The all, you know, anybody on the Magic essentially that's not Isaac or Fultz. Um, there are you know rumored to be at least uh, teams are interested, even if the Magic aren't necessarily interested. You got Drummond, you got uh, I think um, some of the teams that are that are good have the ability to go get those guys. Boston has a big trade exception. Portland yeah. has a couple expiring contracts that they can put together to go get somebody. Uh, Memphis has Gorgie Jang's uh, big expiring contract. If they wanted to buoy their their pursuit of it, uh, you know the Warriors have that Timberwolves pick. I think it's probably more likely to be an offseason thing than it is anything else. You know, draft or off-season, um, than, than is anything John Collins, you know, what are the Hawks going right. to do there. Wayne Ellington, James Ennis. Uh, I mentioned B. Elites. These guys aren't going to get anybody up and out of their seats going crazy. But these are all good players who can really help a team. So I think you're going to see we're going to see a lot of, um, you know, smaller deals, but but ones that are going to be really impactful towards what happens the rest of the
0: season. Which is going to be really exciting from our end. We can't wait to break all of that down and uh, and really dive into it. So it's going to be it's going to be a crazy next week. Always is heading into the trade deadline, and then of course we'll have the buyout market. Right after that is going to start heating up. So there's a lot of really exciting stuff coming up in the NBA in terms of transactions and all the different financial implications, in addition to. Who's trying to make moves to win, who's trying to make moves to build for the future? Gonna be a lot of fun here over the next week in the NBA, and we'll be covering it right here on the NBA front office show. Keith, um, I think that's uh that's a pretty good uh primer here to get ready for this this next week. Gonna be crazy, and I can't wait, man.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I'm super psyched about that. I gotta get one more thing out of you. Who's gonna win the NCAA tournament?
0: Oh gosh. You know, I haven't been paying Just a ton throw
1: of attention.
0: <laughs> I honestly, I haven't even. I had a buddy of mine texted me last night and said and said, "Hey, do you want to do a bracket?" I'm like, I have not even looked at who's even in it. I've paid zero attention to it. Uh, I know Duke isn't in it. I've heard, I've nope. heard that, Kentucky's but I, I not
1: in it either.
0: <laughs> who's not in it?
1: Yep, Kentucky. Oh. No Duke. No Kentucky. So you know the the, the NBA factors are both out. Uh, all right, pick out of uh, pick Gonzaga, Illinois, or Baylor. I'll give you those three choices, or Michigan. Those are pick one of them.
0: Uh, I'll throw. I'll just say Michigan. I'll throw that one out uh, there. But again, right. this is this is with because yes. the Lakers have been at the top uh, of the of the conference or right near the top. I haven't been paying any attention to college basketball because I'm not <laughs> worrying about draft picks right now. That's, I'll dive into yeah. that as we get closer to the draft. So that is completely <laughs> a shot in the dark right now, and so don't uh, don't fault me for that pick. <laughs>
1: I'm going with Gonzaga for for anybody who, who who cares, and that's uh I have the same uh, expert level of analysis on this as uh, Trevor does, so so uh, take, take take that for what it's worth. But they're twenty six and zero going into the tournament. Aacky, crazy, goofy year. Um, you know, sees a team go undefeated again. Um, that's that, That's my pick. We, we that, that'll be what I'll roll with. Uh, we'll come back in you know what three weeks when this mm-hmm. is over, and uh, you know anybody who actually watches College Basketball can tell us both what idiots we are. <laughs> so. There it is. But yeah, guys, yeah, trade deadline Thursday, 3 p.m. Eastern, yep. uh, noon on the West Coast. So uh, you get get up early, have your breakfast, and uh, you'd be ready to go on the West Coast, uh, on the East Coast. You, you get through lunchtime, and it'll go down. Uh, what uh, All I want is I want a repeat of Woj saying, good Lord, that that would make for a great trade deadline. That's what I want to see.
0: Yes. Yeah, that would be fantastic if we get another one of those days. Yeah, I think it's doubtful, but I would love to see it. Yeah, yep. All right, guys, I think that's a wrap for this show. Appreciate you guys all watching. Make sure you do subscribe right here to the Lakers Nation YouTube channel if that's where you're watching this, or if you're listening to the podcast version, don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe over on Apple Podcasts, and you can follow us on social media at NBA for an office show. You can follow Keith at Keith Smith NBA. You can follow me at Trevor underscore Lane. Thanks, everybody. Stay safe and see ya.